Is episodes once a week not enough for you? Or are you looking for more technical information from the Mixing Music Podcast? Well, guess what? Now you can. You can subscribe to our exclusive content and triple the amount of episodes that you get access to. That's right. Instead of the free once a week episodes, you get three episodes a week for only $4 a month or $40 a year. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive to get access to those episodes now. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Laid Back Lou. Laid Back. (laughs) How you doing, Lou? I'm doing good, man. Let's do our classic small talk. Yeah, so a little banter here and there. Okay, so today's Henry Vega's birthday. Uh, He's been working with us for two years now. So shout out to Henry, birthday boy. Um, But Happy birthday, Henry. No, you know, just... Came off of a week of like running a few concerts as we wrap up the year, uh, helping Keisha do some recording, and then been making a ton of YouTube videos. That's pretty much it. Just you've trying been, to backlog as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah, you've been grinding recently with the videos. That's good. Yeah. How about you? What's going on? Huh? 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 Yeah. Um. Regular grind. Recently, my big thing has been uh, has been running. I think I've brought that up before. Uh, yesterday. I wasn't planning on doing this. Like I had no plan to do it, but I was just like running just felt so good. I kept going. Um, mm-hmm. I ran a half marathon yesterday, just like for no reason. I saw that actually. Yeah. I ran like 13 just to make, it's only 13.1 miles, but I ran 13.2 just to make sure that like I actually got it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was my, that was what I did yesterday. I have no idea why. <laughs> you just kind of like ran outside. You're like, you know what? I did my laps. Let's go more. No, Well, cause I like, I was planning on doing a long run. So I was thinking like, oh, like 10 miles. But then by the time mm-hmm. I got to 10 miles, I was like, I'm actually feeling pretty good and I could go a couple more. Yeah. And I've never, and I wanted to do more than my previous length record, which was 10 miles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of how it started. And also um, I was listening to, recently I've been getting into like story podcasts, like fiction story podcasts. Yeah. 
And so like it's immersive audio of like people having conversation as if like a recorder was in a table between the two yeah. of them. So it's like storytelling with just the audio audio. And uh it's interesting. Um i am been listening to a few crazy stories that are wild and awesome, very mm-hmm. immersive and makes me want to do something like that. Um but that's kind of what I've been listening to while I'm running. Like long runs, mm-hmm. that's perfect. Short runs for like tempo. Yeah, I just like listen to music or something. But anytime I'm doing anything cardio lately, uh, it's at the gym. I'm on a treadmill, but it's kind of funny. I actually watch like Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z lately. I've just been kind of like rewatching childhood shows Classic. while trying to get like 15 to 20 minutes of cardio in. Classic. Dragon yeah. Dragon Ball Super, I think, was great too, actually. My wife and I watched Dragon Ball, the 150 episodes of Dragon Ball Super, like few years back mm-hmm. when it completed the first time we actually really enjoyed it. i thought it'd be stupid there were some reviews um there were some reviews that were like dragon ball the new dragon ball super was kind of you know not very good it's, they're just really trying to milk the brand of what's left of it uh but watching it i thought it was funny i thought it was good uh, it's kind of funny because i feel like a lot of the people that probably said that probably were looking for more nostalgic than new content ah uh, yeah i i really liked it but yeah. anyway um on that note, let's get into today's topic. Today's topic is vocal recording. We've had a lot of uh, requests about talking more about recording processes. And, uh, well, guess what? This this one is just for you if you've asked that in the past. We're going to talk a little bit about recording. The cool thing is both Lou and I have extensive um, experience recording clients from different in different uh in different ways, uh, different places, and different ways, and different with different techniques. different levels. Um, for for example, like um, high level record major artist versus like a next door neighbor who's never recorded a mic on a mic before. Yeah, um, there's uh, we've done all of that, and so we wanted to give a couple tips and a couple thoughts that you should be having while recording. So let's start off with the lower level. Let's do it like that. Let's let's template this episode with like going in from like an easier if you're starting in recording for the first time you just buy yourself an interface and then kind of the things that you should be paying attention to adding things that we should be paying attention to as levels go up yeah so here it is lou let me break down a scenario for you and you teach us sure uh you have you just no no let's say i just bought an audio interface mm-hmm. i've i want to record songs maybe i've written some songs maybe i don't maybe i just want to like do sing sing cover songs over acapella karaoke tracks. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I want to record my own voice. I have a computer, and I just bought an interface and a cheap little microphone that I plug mm-hmm. into my interface. Um, what are some things that you'd recommend uh, I pay attention to in order to achieve for the sole purpose and goal of getting good quality recordings? Okay. First thing would be just making sure you're not clipping your input. Let's say it was something as simple as like the Focusrite Scarlet series interfaces. They have a nice little light indicator in the front of it. So if you're not looking out for the meters or you don't know what you're looking for in the meters, at the very least, you want to make sure you're not hitting red on those light indicators. Now, clipping being described as something that's just, you know, hitting the limit of digital audio, right? After that, it's just squaring off the wave. It's just making things sound not pleasantly distorted like you would uh, hear from different engineers, but rather it starts sounding bad. Um, so one way to avoid that is whatever you're recording against, drop it down until you have a similar volume to the vocal so that the vocal doesn't have to be recorded so loud that you're running the risk of constantly clipping the audio. That's true. I, I've had... um. 
Actually, this last month, I had someone that wanted to me to mix a piano vocal. It was just a piano and a vocal ballad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really difficult for her because she was recording directly in her interface using the built-in preamp, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, but she had a hard time getting to the loud parts of the song and clipping it. Yeah. And so I just told her, like, you just got to turn it down. Like, like uh, that's the thing. Like, you just avoid clipping at the loudest part of the song. Yeah. And and if you can avoid clipping, other than that, like, I feel like you kind of want to make it as hot as you can be. Yeah, you want to be able to use uh, as much of the range that you have available. You know, it's kind of like back in the old tape days. Like, the reason they retract louder and they were okay with some distortion is because those machines had hiss. They had noise. And they were trying to get as much signal as they can away from that noise. So it was actually the signal-to-noise ratio that they always spoke about back then. But... Now that's basic, like very, very minimal. That doesn't, it's not exactly, really an issue. Exactly. Like they talk about, um, like I was reading an article about like mastering converters and blah, 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 and how the converter works to it at different volumes. Funny enough, most people will say like, oh, you want to hit the converters harder, this and that, just like you would with tape. And to a level that's true, but to the level that you'll be able to tell at an early stage, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, when I first started recording, I could barely tell the difference between monitors. Uh, we've done this test where we had one of our interns ask, like, you, you guys can really hear what a limiter is doing. And when we A-beat it for him, he could not tell the difference between over compression and not compressed at all. Yeah. Yeah. So just focus on not trying to redline your meters. No, I, I think that's thing. a big deal. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, In fact, actually, so with Keisha, we received a track from somebody that she did a feature for. Uh I was extremely surprised to see that a big name artist uh, sent over a song to feature and um, the entire session was redlined. All the vocals were redlined. The beat was never turned down 10 decibels. And what they did is they tracked with an L1 limiter on the record track and on the vocal master. Yeah. So the whole time they were just redlining on the way in and the way they were avoiding the redline was just throw a limiter so that the red light indicator would never come on. Wow. But the whole time, the vocals were super distorted. Now, keep in mind, it was like super auto-tuny vocals, so we could just call it artistic difference. But when it came to actually tracking her vocals onto it, I took all the vocals, stemmed them out, and just dropped them 10 decibels, and I was able to track her in a way that was significantly cleaner. And you could audibly hear the difference between the clipped vocals and her very pristine and clean vocals. Interesting. Yeah, yeah uh, that's that's... Let's go on to the next thing. I think another thing you should be paying attention to at this beginner level mm-hmm. um, is making sure, this is super simple, but making sure that you're in a quiet space. And what I yeah. mean by quiet is like, as much as you can control it, um, if you have siblings that are loud, um, do not record near them. or <laughs> Don't record next to your refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, please, yeah, don't do that. Uh, yeah. Don't record next to any fans that are running. Things of that nature. Just yeah. make sure that you're in a quiet environment. Um, and then also, lastly, at a beginner level, I would say um, making sure that you read into the specs of the microphone and that, for example, I've seen a lot of times, like, for example, this microphone, you're supposed to sing or record and cl- record audio from the yeah. top of the microphone, where a lot of microphones, they're supposed to record from the front. Yeah, side address. Side address, you know, so it's um, making sure that you read into the microphone just what you have, making sure which way is the front. Um, I've seen that happen quite often as well. Um, they're recording it backwards, you know, which does affect everything. And so just some simple things there. I think at an intermediate level, mm-hmm. 
Uh, so now you have, uh, you're, you know, you're, maybe you have, you're starting to build out an actual studio. So it's more yeah. than just an interface and a computer in your bedroom. You're like, okay, I'm a, I want to make my room or dedicate a separate room mm-hmm. into a little bit more of like a vocal production space. And this is when the obvious answer at this point would become uh, uh, acoustic treatment. Yeah. The acoustic treatment is wildly unappreciate, underappreciated or, or, and under understood. Like not understood like, enough. Yeah, it's not understood enough uh, at a beginning stage. Because if you told me like, oh, put up foam and your recordings would be better, it's like, how the hell did that do anything? I just put foam on my walls, right? Um, but once you're at an intermediate stage where you're like, okay, I'm definitely hearing things now that I'm using compressors. I'm hearing the room come out. I'm starting to notice that there's actually a significant difference in my recordings, though. Uh, well, one of the biggest things that I see is like people are still recording and they're wondering like, how do I get my vocals to sound drier? How do I get the reverb of the room out of my microphone? And they're always surprised when I say, just get some acoustic treatment or get like a closet hanger. Have you ever seen uh, people's uh, fashion booths? It's the, it's the craziest, coolest aesthetic thing ever. Uh, if you have a, if you have a client who just loves clothing and all that, and because of that, or let's say that they have a clothing brand, they just make a bunch of sweaters with cool logos and everything on them or whatever. If you get the clothing rack, you got three of them and you fill it out with like sweaters and everything. You can create a pseudo baffle system around you with just fashion, you know, acoustic treatment can come in many forms and prices and everything, but Something as simple as stepping into your closet could actually help with that. But if you're dedicating a room to it, one of the best things you can do, most cost-effective things, is to build your own panels. If you don't have the tools for it, then you can buy some from like GIK or somebody. But um, even if you don't have a dedicated room just for recording vocals, let's say you're recording in the same room as you're mixing in, then fine. Just get a a nice reflection filter and treat your room well, and you'd be surprised just by minimizing the reflections in your room. Even if it's still somewhat reflective, the mic won't pick up every little thing. It's interesting. Um, You know those, like, the chaotic eyeball where it's like you put the microphone into a foam sphere or, like, the reflection uh, shields behind it? (laughs) Or, like, reflection shields that they market made of foam that you just stick onto the mic stand that's supposed to, like, surround the mic. Um, Those things... Uh, quite frankly, are better than nothing, but don't really do much. Uh, yeah. The Chaotica eyeball does a little bit more, but the problem in exchange for it working more is that it creates more of, this is a microphone in a foam sphere sound. So it sounds like <laughs> this uh, with the microphone out, but essentially to an exaggerated extent, but a very accurate extent, it starts to sound like this when you put the Chaotica on because unfortunately like it's not a very breathable amount of foam behind it right it's it's pretty or, dense or, foam. or else it wouldn't stop any acoustics like exactly it has to not be so that breathable. because of that you have that kind of tunnelish tone around it it's it's almost like when you cup the mic in a venue it is better than nothing it is it is it is better than nothing but especially the shield that you put behind the microphone almost does very very little so it's better yeah. for example lou talked about if you have a walk-in closet with clothes making sure if it's an empty walk-in closet not much better but yeah. if you have clothes hanging in your walk-in closet so that way there's natural um absorptive material in there your mm-hmm. clothes you're already um, in a better spot <laughs> or you know like if you have spare mattresses in your house for some reason in your unfinished <laughs> basement and you want you want to put up like create a little fort mm-hmm. with mattresses mattresses are great for um for absorptive material, like absorptive acoustic type panels. Um, oh, building yeah. acoustic panels is really easy to YouTube. 
and to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit more work, but the thing is they look a lot more professional and they are, they work a lot more professionally. So like, you can build them to your own desire, color, whatever you want. Yeah. And yeah. they're not as expensive as you think. Yeah. I think I built, um, I remember I had to build 20 panels for, for a friend of mine and, you know, I just went to his house, told him what to buy. I think our total average cost without having to buy tools and everything was roughly 40 bucks per panel. Yeah. And those are two by four by six inches deep. Okay. So let's, let's talk about this now. So we're talking about in the perspective of, I'm trying to record myself Mm -hmm. starting from the intermediate level. Um, because at the beginner level, I assume most people are only trying to record themselves at the intermediate level. Now you're either, um, you're paying or you're getting paid to record somebody else's vocals or somebody Mm -hmm. else is recording your vocals. What are some tips in that scenario where someone else is now involved? Um, understand who these people are and their comfort in where your recording is. For instance, some people nowadays are much more comfortable recording in the same room as the engineer because they're kind of used to that bedroom style, right? And that's what they've become accustomed to recording with friends growing up. And then now that they take it more professionally, they still want that same level of comfort because isolating them into a dedicated room sometimes feels a little off. So if uh, if your goal is to kind of have clients that like to work in a booth or the majority of them like to work in a booth or something like that, then finding a way to make a walk-in closet into a booth is probably a good idea. Finding ways to uh, use an, a spare bedroom that you have in your place as like kind of a creative suite with a mic running into it kind of thing. Um in fact, oh no, you didn't uh, go to Keisha's house, but like something we do with hers is upstairs. She wanted um, a studio and um, she doesn't like typically recording in the same room as the engineer. So we actually just ran a cable down to another room in her house and put the mic in there with some acoustic baffles and we're done. You know, so it's about kind of finding the comfort zone. So number one is the most important part of it is we didn't notice we didn't talk about gear at that point when you're involving someone else. The most important part is like the psychology of it. Like exactly. Sure that, and and this actually has like making sure the client or if you are the person like making sure that you're able to feel comfortable as the performer. The yeah. Performer needs to feel comfortable. Um, whether like, for example, Keisha always asks for tea. Yeah. Like hot tea. Yeah. Like that's one of those rituals. I, I've heard stories, for example, I, I don't I think it's OK that I share this, but I've heard stories of of people that have worked with Miss Lauren Hill, mm-hmm. uh, where before she started recording and writing songs, she had to pick a fight with her ex-boyfriend. That's she'd awesome. Call her ex-boyfriend and go into a full-on fight, and then after she hung up, that's when she was emotionally ready to perform and songwrite and sing. I'm not gonna lie, I wish I could be the ex-boyfriend just to be like, "Yo, that's true." Yeah. <laughs> so you, so you wouldn't believe the and, things and she so said. So like you, whatever ritual it is, whatever like, and this is where like the practice comes into play, like. Where like you need to record yourself often enough to figure out what makes you feel more comfortable. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. If a singer is uncomfortable, the personality of the vocals, the vocal recording is going to be much worse. Not because of the technology and the equipment, but because the most important part of recording vocals is portrayal, the the performance, the portrayal of emotion. Yeah. For example, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna use drums as an example here. Okay. Because it's going to be a little bit more obvious. If you know a drummer, much more likely that they play way too loud. If the song is supposed to be a folksy, easy listening song, but every local drummer and their dad is, is, is all they do is just hammer away at the drums. They only know one loudness and that's too loud. Um, and, uh, if you, I can in the, 
in the mixing phase, I could turn down the volume of the drums, but no matter how much I turn them down, the drums still feel like you slammed on them. Yeah. Yeah. It's because the slamming becomes a tone. Yeah. Rather than like, if that makes sense. So in the same idea here, in the same metaphor with vocals, um, if you sing like a little bitch, <laughs> then no matter how much louder I make it, there's nothing that I could do in the post-production way and yep. post-production audio that will make you sound like you sang like a little bitch. And, and yeah. <laughs> that will not make you sound that way. So you have to record in a way where you feel really comfortable. And this is where yep. compression, This we'll talk about this in the advanced techniques, but like you have to let, if I'm recording you, for example, I have to make sure that you're comfortable, that the gain staging is right, that the headphone levels are all right, that they're in a space, in a space and an environment where they can sing at their most best potential. Yeah. They're really comfortable. Um, you'll get better tuning, better notes, um, you'll get better emotional portrayal. Yep. Um, you'll get way better performances. And that honestly matters significantly more than any sort of signal chain or equipment thing. It's kind of funny because like there's headphone tricks all about this where it's like if you need a vocalist to sing softer, make them louder in their headphones because they'll try to back off a little bit because be like, oh, I'm being too loud. Or if you want them to sing with a little more energy, drop their sit, uh, their mix uh, so that their vocals aren't as loud. And they feel like they have to enunciate to hear themselves better. Like sometimes that level of comfortability is also like finding the counters for it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just be aware of that. Whether you're in the position of the one singing and mm -hmm. you're recording yourself or you're recording on some, somebody else. Um, I've won so many clients over just from being a, a good hang. Yeah. Like especially with vocal recording because – as a vocalist myself, I can tell you that all vocalists are a little bit more dramatic than than your jazz guitar player. <laughs> it's like you fucked up that note. It's like you're right. Let's do it again. You yeah. say that to a singer. It's like you fucked up that note. It's like oh. you hate me. <laughs> I want my mommy. No, I'm just kidding. It's like I can fix it in Melodyne. They're always like, oh, oh I didn't know I couldn't do it. I, yeah, I, I only know how to take things personally. As a vocalist, I can tell you that I only take things personally. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, for, real though, <laughs> yeah. for real though, for real though, that's that's very important to bring up. I think that that's like the the defining level of like a professional is being able to do that. Um, at the beginning stage, you're not really worried about because you're more worried about just making sure that you have a recording that's usable, and maybe yeah. you're not like I think that it honestly takes tons of practice, like dozens of songs and recordings where you finally start to get comfortable in front of the mic. A classic way, a classic indicator of someone that hasn't done a lot of recordings is someone that says, I hate the sound of my own voice. Like, yeah. cause everybody feels that way. Yeah. But if you've been in front of a microphone a lot, then that's not something that you bring up anymore. That's yeah. just like, you just get over it. Yeah. Um, so if you now still you're worried think that, about the performance over the tone, <laughs> exactly. And with, uh, with vocal, like for example, in my pedagogy classes in college, uh, vocal pedagogy, where it's like, they were talking about the techniques of the vocal cords and stuff. A lot of that class for as much as you'd think high level college level vocal mixing or vocal singing classes are it was a lot of how to sing more emotionally in tune yeah like so if it's a sad song they're like i need you to like cry during this yeah. song like like that was like that was it like you didn't make me cry like i didn't feel you i, I don't believe you yeah or why are you singing like a little bitch no <laughs> no a good example of this is anybody that's listened to like lincoln park funny enough uh there's a song called uh given up 
which uh, at a per- uh, certain point, the lyric is, I hyperventilate. And he literally sounds like he's hyperventilating as he's saying the lyric. And he actually sounds like he's at a loss of breath and everything. And you're just like, this is what makes a quality performance. And the funny thing is, if you listen to the to the mix of the record, like his vocals are purposely distorted. So it's less about like, oh, my God, this is obviously this $20,000 microphone. Look at the definition of it. No. No, it's it has nothing to do with that. Why it's such a great vocal performance. It's not the quality of the recording. It's the quality of the performance. It's literally the emotional attachment that the audience has to the performer. The last thing that I want to finish up this intermediate section with is that Lou and I purposefully did not bring up anything about preamps, mic choice, signal chains, because in this intermediate section, even if it's at a professional level, mm-hmm. if you're at a home student, you're getting paid for your work at this level. Signal chains and outboard gear is still not half as important as the performance. Honestly, it's an accessory. It's it's the same as like putting these pins on a hat. I wore the hat so my wouldn't get wet from the rain. The pins have nothing to do with how wet I'm going to get from the rain. So and then so now let's go into like expert mode. That means the singer, for example, we'll use Keisha Cole as an example. Mm-hmm. She has been professionally singing for a while. She's already figured out her her rituals that she does. Yep. She drinks teas. She is able to turn on, flip the switch, and become comfortable and sing to her best of ability when, like, anytime. Honestly, so, I pick up tips and techniques of how to record better for other clients just off of being around her because she's so good at it. Exactly. Yeah. Comfortable in front of a mic and the mic is an instrument to Keisha, not something that, not an instrument that she has to record. It, the microphone becomes an instrument, right? Yeah. Itself. Um, very experienced at this level. Making the, co- the customer feel comfortable or making yourself feel comfortable is already a given at this point. Or at least you're so resilient and so experienced that becoming comfortable, like you have, you've built... A, a level of resilience you can become comfortable anywhere at any time just say mm-hmm. the word yeah um okay now now is when gear like everything is taken care of the speed of your recording starts to becoming important mm-hmm. how you use the DAW, whether it's pro tools or logic so you can keep the flow going become being able yeah. to record really fast both yourself if you're recording yourself it's just as important to be able to record really fast and organize really well mm-hmm. as much as you recording someone else um, and then maybe now at this point, it'd be fun to experiment with different tones that you can get with different preamps and compressors and EQs on the vocals. And Lou, why do you think we didn't bring that up during the intermediate part? It's kind of funny. Most people get hung up on the idea that I need to have X gear to be professional, but they always forget that the difference between a good artist and a bad artist is the artist itself. It's not the mic. Mm. It's never been about the mic, even in the back, uh, back in the day, like when you talk to different studios. Unless you use Slate VMS. No, fuck that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just just shitted on like half the audience right now. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But it's kind of funny uh, because like I love talking to a lot of the studio old heads where it's like, you know, like, why did you choose that mic? Oh, why did you guys have this console? Why did you do this? It was accessible. It was accessible. That's always been the answer. Nobody has ever responded like, oh, why did you choose the U47? Oh, it's because it we could- It was already plugged in. <laughs> it was already plugged in or we could finally afford it. But like, they didn't say like, you know, at the start of my career, I moved to LA. I bought a multi-million dollar studio and suddenly I was a star. No, that's never been the story. Somebody grinded their way up the whole time. And then the luxuries and the accessories came later. But 
some of my favorite bands growing up have the worst recordings to my favorite songs because it was when it was authentic. It was when it was about the performance and the music. And then later their recordings and their production styles got better and you found like more people getting involved in the production levels. But an authentic artist that actually worries more about their performance will always do better than an artist who worries more about the microphone than they ever do about their performance. Absolutely. Uh, another thing too, and this is the reason why it could be hurtful to mm-hmm. invest in gear too early is because emotionally speaking, um, if you're at the beginner to intermediate stage and you start over-focusing on the, the gear and how it changes the tones and the vocals, mm-hmm. um, then what you're going to do psychologically speaking is that you're going to think like maybe it becomes I've gotten the best gear ever. Why am I still not good enough? I feel like yes, I feel like I've yeah. seen more people that become advanced and become more expert didn't have anything. And yeah. anybody that I've ever met that had the gear from the beginning was not able to get over themselves yeah. and reach a level of confidence to then become expert. Yeah. I think investing in gears honestly psychologically. I've never actually now that I'm trying to think about it, I don't think I've met a single person who's invested more into equipment than their own experience that, that it worked out better for. In fact, I can't name a single client of mine. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Cause like uh, the other side of that too, is let's say that you invested right away into it. Right. One of the big issues that you actually find is that there's always also going to be a new trending piece of gear. Think about it. The U87 was popular for years, and now most people are like, okay, U87 is just basic now. So let's say you invested all this money into that, and you're still on the grind, and then suddenly the trend switches up. Like the CL1B and the 1073 for the longest have been a pretty common combo that everybody looks for. And now you're seeing the everything bundle from, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, no, Hazen diesel something i forget the the vlc and uh something else uh baines and everybody's starting to use it now uh it's like ten thousand dollars for the oh the dw fern yeah no but but hazel something it's the subsidiary of them but basically yeah um it's the it's the vlc uh which is basically their compressor and then the preamp has an eq channel strip on it as well so it's still just a Mm. channel strip and a compressor kind of combo but because it's the new hot topic item and a lot of big name people are starting to buy it and everything and use it, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's the new best chain. So what? Now that you have the 1073 and CL1B a year later, this new trend comes out. Do you still have a good enough chain or are you going to psych yourself out and tell you that's not good enough anymore? Yeah. You know, it becomes a very expensive cycle to ever tell yourself that it's not good unless it's with the best. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a lot of clients who want to see 800G in their recording session. And then you hear the client and you're like, hmm. You know, a 57 would have done the same. You should have like learned how to sing first. Yeah. Like this mic did not make you better. (laughs) It's, it shows. Um, Yeah. So I do think that it actually adds uh, potential psychological roadblocks. Um, So it is absolutely important to not think about gear and just focus on getting the experience because the difference that good gear makes is not worth it in the beginning to intermediate stages. And all of the songs that have gotten hugely popular and viral Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how many of them were on lesser expensive ch- signal change than you could believe. Actually, I can prove one one of them. Uh, with the exception of the mic, with only because of the exception of the mic, I can't fully say it to be true. But I remember when uh, I got my gold record for the All Me record. Um, 
it was a song that was recorded in a staircase closet with like curtains thrown up around the walls and everything inside of a house. So it was no major studio. It was no major recording. It was on an Apollo twin, just running straight to the computer, no vocal chains or anything. And the only factor that was like the most expensive was my lot in audio Eden, but I go everywhere with that thing. I've had it for a long time. So I can't really say, Oh, there was not a good mic. There was a good mic, but there was no 1073. There was no CL1B. There was no VLC. There was no uh, Sony C800G. There was no real reliance on saying like, oh, we can't get this recording and put this out if it's not on the best stuff. The label's going to reject it. No, it went gold. It sold half a million records. You know, I'm really glad that it did that, but it was recorded literally in the closet under her staircase with just curtains thrown around. Yeah, or like people recording with a SM7B in a hotel room with no acoustic treatment. Literally. You know how many records, big platinum records. winning records, Grammy winning records, yeah. records have been recorded that way? It's crazy. And it's funny because a Enough lot of people- Enough to make sure that you have no excuses. So watch this. Now, I'm going to play the devil's advocate and answer the same. People are always responding with, well, they had a professional team. Yes, but what makes somebody professional? What- what is the definition of somebody being professional? It's definitely not they have expensive stuff. No. It's somebody who actually knows how to effectively uh, and efficiently make decisions and movements throughout their profession or career to where they can get the best possible results better than most consumers can. Um, you think Drake's team recording them in the hotel was worried that it was a hotel record? No. You think uh, Jason Joshua wouldn't be able to mix a good record if he wasn't in his studio? Dude, Chris Lloyd Algy was laughing about how people were, were saying like, oh, he's mixing from home. What happened to his big studio? Uh, Chris Lloyd Algy fell off. It's like, no, the fact is that Chris knows what he's doing. Like he may be a little bit dated in sound, but right now that rock and metal is coming back up again. Let's be honest, he's busier than ever. And if he's working from home and still making money and people still know that if you send your record to him, he has the experience. It's not about what gear he has or what computer he has. It's the fact that he's effective with it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, another advanced thing, and now we'll talk about like preamps and stuff. It's good to experiment and try different microphones yeah. and tones. And especially if you're, if you're recording yourself, what you want to do is you can go to like stores like Vintage King or, or sometimes get, not really Guitar Center. Vintage mm -hmm. King, if they have one near you and, and they have a few in the US yeah. or like stores where they allow you to demo mics before you buy them. That'd be great. Going to other studios to record, maybe paying the money to rent an hour or two at another studio to record a few different microphones and figure out which one you like the best. Um, taking that couple extra hours and a little bit of hassle to figure out which mic best suits your vocal um, is worth it in the long yeah. run. Um, but if you're if you're recording yourself, it's you don't need multiple microphones. You just go and rent a couple or go to a studio that has a bunch of options, figure out which ones you like the most, uh, which one you like the most, buy that one and just record on that one. And then yeah. you don't ever have to worry about gear ever again because you've already got the one that you know through testing sounds the best on your voice. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the funny thing. People think that, oh, everybody uses this one. Just because it works on that person doesn't mean it's going to work on you. Like this is the importance of not worrying about the gear at first. Yeah. And if you're recording other people, yeah. Then, then you might want to have multiple mic selections because in the advanced level, uh, uh, an SM7B doesn't work for everybody. Um, the Slave VMS doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. The CA100G doesn't work for everybody. The um, the Neumann 47 does not work on everybody. Definitely for today's music, it's kind of a harder one. Yeah. So it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So it's like having multiple different 
um, options and also having the ability to and the humility to say, hey, this isn't working. Let's try something else. Mm hmm. And and that comes with experience, knowing when some but something isn't working for someone's voice. Yeah. Um. So that's like advanced level stuff, and something that honestly most people worry about way too early into their careers. Yeah. Um. And and here's where I think the line is: if you want to worry about gear, if well, hold on, I, I want to be careful. I'm I'm thinking about out loud. I would say if you're trying to become a professional singer then only buy equipment that you can afford that you've, made mu- that you've made from your music. For example, if you only make $30 from your music, don't buy a $12,000 microphone. Yes. Don't. It's, it's again, that whole psychological thing we talked about yeah, earlier. The only reason you should really be buying gear that serves purposes outside of your own realm as well. Let's say that I'm a vocalist. I'm only buying my vocal chain and whatever is absolutely necessary for my work. But if I'm buying mics just in case I might need it for that tone that one day, I better be renting a studio commercially. That being's yeah, and hold on, hold on. There's one preface that I want to make though. Yeah. I do think that good microphones, like once you start getting into the three hundred to six dollar range, the six hundred dollar mm-hmm. range is when microphones become good. Yeah. They like they start to become okay. The issue is definitely not the equipment; it's you. Yeah, like the mics we're on right now are like five, six hundred dollar mics, but the SM7B is what we used before, and it was good. But these are just different. Yeah, so like I, I would not buy a thirty dollar Amazon USB mic. Anything under a hundred dollars is probably not going to be good. And yeah. the only hundred dollar mics that I'd recommend is like the SM58 or like yeah, Beta 58 if you can. Yeah, something like that, which are actually like they're handheld live mics, but they're surprisingly really good for recording. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly. They're going to need a lot of like EQ manipulation, but still like pretty solid working foundation. Yeah. Um, I prefer that over, I keep talking about it. The Slate VMS on the C800G setting with the Neve 1073 preamp <laughs> setting just like is so bad for f- specifically female vocals. From I've had multiple clients send me uh, voice recordings. It's not just one person. It's all of them just like have the most harsh eight to nine K I've ever heard in my yeah. entire life. And it's just un it's like distorting like crazy. Don't if you have that, sell that. Uh, especially if you are recording females or you are you yourself are a female, sell that, get something else, anything else. Yeah. Uh, but Actually, typically other than that microphone, yeah. most microphones within that price range are very reliable. So to be honest, one of my favorite like a thousand to sub thousand dollar mics like if you really want to splurge on something get the clarion from lawton audio it's the one mic that for once in my life i liked hearing my voice through a microphone there you go and and talking about that lawton audio is one of our sponsors and oh, yeah. if you just dm uh master by lou at master by lou on instagram he can give you a discount on any lawton products yeah um the flagship microphone which is about three and a half four grand uh yeah, it's actually eden. now four grand now yeah. four grand yeah the eden um, is what we use in our studio. And All the time. It's, it's so good and incredibly flexible. It's got three different voicings, so it's it's really flexible. And, and honestly, like, I have you ever played with the filters? Yeah, I have. It, it wildly changes those voicings, too. Yeah, so, like, so it's I'll go, really like, great. the vintage mode, the, the gentle U47-ish kind of style, and I'll do the 150 her uh, roll-off, and suddenly you have, like, that, a delish, like very warm, but not bassy kind of vocal. It's really nice. So if you're interested in, in getting a loud microphone, just talk to at master by Lou on Instagram and tell him you listened to the podcast episode. You heard that you can get a deal for loud mics. Uh, mm-hmm. Lou can hook you up with a discount if you're interested in doing that. Yeah. 
Um, so that's about it. Um, other than that, did we miss anything for expert mm-hmm. level of advice? I think like yes, yes. I, ooh, there's uh, one more thing I want to talk about too. So one of them would be at a very basic level to expert level, knowing that there's two basic types of mics that you would choose from and each one can help or hurt you in a different way. One is dynamic and one is condenser. Oh, we uh, should have brought that up at the beginning. Phase. Yeah. But just to touch on it very lightly, which is just a dynamic microphone can handle a lot more SPL into it, a lot more volume pressure, I guess you can say uh, if somebody's yelling. And so if you're doing like loud vocal style music, a dynamic mic, like an SM7B or something of that nature may be in your best interest. But if you're more like R&B, pop kind of stuff, a condenser has a little more clarity. But because it doesn't actually handle loud signals as well, it also picks up more of the room. So if you don't have any treatment at the beginning stage, go with the dynamic mic. It would help you out more. If you do have treatment in the intermediate stage, it's now time to kind of step up to condensers. Yeah, there's a lot of YouTube videos that you could talk about, like microphones and their differences. So um, that's just something that we recommend you look up. It's pretty... Yeah, easy to access information. The last thing, oh, so I want to do ad spot right now before I talk about the last thing for the expert cool. mode. And then, and we're going to, I think it's going to be really interesting, actually, the last thing that I want to bring up. We didn't talk about this, which is shocking. Uh, is uh, first off, this, this episode of the Mix of Music podcast is sponsored by us. We release one episode a week, but we also release two extra episodes every single week hidden behind a paywall it's it's exclusive episodes um they're shorter episodes there are 100% of the time very technical and concise and we give you assignments at the end of each one um it's the exclusive episodes of the mixing music podcast you can learn more about them at mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. In fact, I think we're going to be releasing one exclusive episode every single month uh, for free on the free mainstream podcast, just so nice. you can get a little bit of a taste of what the, the style is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really awesome. Again, they come out every Wednesday and Thursday where the main, this podcast episode will come out every Tuesday. So you get three times the amount of episodes for only $4 a month or $40 a year. Um, so once again, that's mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Okay. Uh, another thing, if you're interested in hiring me and or and or Lou for your mm-hmm. mixing and mastering services, just DM us on Instagram at masterbylou at DK Mixes. Just say that uh, you heard that you can get a discount through the podcast. Um, we'll talk about something. Uh, also, if you're interested in booking studio time in the Los Angeles area with our commercial recording studio, you can visit inthemixstudios.com and check out our commercial facilities. We even have residencies now, which is really good. Mm-hmm. We've been able to help out a lot of people kind of like save on production costs. And we've met a lot of actually a lot of huge fans of the podcast through through the studio. Like they either yeah. like intern for us or they like come work at their studio and stuff. And we find out we get to meet a lot of listeners for the podcast. So what's kind of funny is uh, uh, the other day my mom calls me. She's like, hey, are you at the studio right now? I'm like, yeah, what's going on? Suddenly I get a FaceTime call and uh, she was cutting the hair from somebody who saw a photo of me on her on her little mirror. She's like, hey, does your son uh, have a podcast or something? And I was, she's like, yeah, why? She's like, I listen to the podcast. I was like. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. That's super yeah. awesome. It, it makes us happy that yeah. we have influence in anybody's lives. So thank you so much for listening. Um, the last thing that I want to bring up, and this mm-hmm. is advanced level technique, and maybe you can dip into it in the beginning uh, or intermediate level, is microphone positioning. Oh, yeah. Both in a room as well as 
raising it up higher and tilting it down, mm-hmm. getting lower and tilting it up, how far away from the microphone you are. Um, and yeah, so I think like microphone positioning and where you put the microphone in a room as mm-hmm. well um, does affect the sound. I'm going to put this in the intermediate section, actually. This it's is, something you should start messing with at that before point. Before equipment, you should mess yeah. with positioning. You know, it's kind of funny because there's like a lot of tips and tricks that you if you went to school, you'd learn about like how the school approaches these tips and tricks as far as like practicality, right? You ever heard of the pencil trick if you don't have a pop filter? Yeah. With yeah. The, yeah. You get a rubber band, you put the pencil on the side address mic, whatever. Cool. There's also the finger trick where you just record like this the whole time. Cool. Put your finger in front of the microphone so there's no plosives going directly into the exactly. capsule. But uh, the funny thing is like, angling of the mic is one of the most underrated changes that you can make to your tone aside from sibilance changes you can actually do actual tonal changes like you can get more chest less chest you can be less nasally more nasally you can actually sound closer farther like if you're doing ad libs and you just take one step back like six inches back from the mic it already feels like you're that further back in the mix. Like, so if you ever want to find new creative ways to actually get the most out of your mics, even without having to buy a new mic, positioning is everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Both in the room where to record yourself or mm-hmm. someone in the room messing around with recordings, as well as I like, for example, my default positioning, if I could pick and have the time to pick, which is not always the case. Um, I like to put the microphone slightly above the singer's face, pointing down so it's capturing their mouth, nose, mouth, and like throat, chest area. Yeah. So it's like a downward angle from slightly above them um, with about, yeah, like at least eight to 12 inches of space. Yeah. Uh, and the better the room sounds, the further away I'll do it. Yeah. Thankfully, we have a nice room. Yeah, if you have a nice room, room. you could go a little bit further, which sounds really nice. But if you have a bad room, then the closer you are to the mic, the less of the room you're going to pick up. Yeah. Um. So, uh, or the further away you are from the mic, the more of the room you're going to pick up. So that's something that you got to be worried about. Um. That's that's something that you should start playing with, and that would go as a performer, as someone that should get comfortable using the microphone as an instrument. That's one of the things you should be paying attention to is is how you use the microphone, both in positioning. I know a lot of singers, for example, that like. During the quiet parts, they get really close to the mic, and then during the when they start yelling, they instinctively start backing up away from the mic. Mm-hmm. And so that might be something where like a compressor might work because if you're compressing the vocals, then in the headphones, it's the same volume no matter what level you sing to, so you don't have to feel like you're yelling. Yeah. Into it. Um, the funny know. thing is the the benefit of that approach on the angle that you were talking about is consider that front to back. You have more proximity, less proximity, so you have a tonal change the closer you are to the mic versus the further you are. But when you have those kind of like, okay, like you said, eight to 12 inches away, if somebody were to slightly turn to the side, it wouldn't make that big of a difference. But if I'm this close to the mic, you know, saying like two inches away, then me going like this has a very different tonal change than if I'm speaking directly into the mic. Wait, hold on. For the audio only people, you said me going like this and he was turning his head away from the mic. Yeah. So if I'm talking directly into the mic, and then just face DK and not face the mic at all, it's going to be two completely different tones. And even if I raise the volume and made up for the, yeah, comp- it would the still volume be very conversation, different. the tone is different. When you're further yeah. away, there's less low end. Yeah, because think about just pressure on the capsule as an idea, right? It changes if you're speaking directly to it. So if you had a constant distance, like that 8 to 12 angling down towards you, then singing softer and louder actually feels very different than if the mic is very close to you and you're singing soft and loud. Mm, Yeah. 
Cool. Well, I think that wraps up this episode of the podcast. Some things that to think about. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, you can go find, just type in Master by Lou on YouTube or DK Mixes. Uh, and just subscribe if you be willing to uh, and uh, leave a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to, whether it's uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, I don't care, Google Podcasts, whatever it is, just <laughs> if you don't mind leaving a five-star rating and review, that is a free and easy way to support the channel and the growth of our channel. So if you like what we're listening to, please do that. Oh, yeah. On that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. If you can't get enough of the Mixing Music Podcast and want three times the amount of episodes every week, subscribe to our exclusive content for only $4 a month or $40 a year at mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.